Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, I'm Brenda. And I'm Julia. And you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring 20s Podcast. Today, we are sharing with you a very special episode that we did on our friend Alex's podcast. Alex Turoff is a registered dietitian. She is absolutely amazing and she has her own podcast called the Alex Turoff Nutrition Podcast and in this episode Alex interviews Brenda and I about body image, nutrition, eating, all of those fun things and we thought that we would share the episode that we did on Alex's show with you guys here. So it's going to be a super fun episode and if you love this episode be sure to check out the rest of Alex's podcast. She gets so many amazing guests And also, we had Alex on our show when we interviewed her, and you can check out that episode. It's episode number 48, and we asked Alex all of the nutrition tips, tricks, snack recommendations. Alex is absolutely amazing, and I know you guys are going to enjoy this episode so much. So, here's Alex. Welcome to the Alex Turoff Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Turoff, a registered dietitian, personal trainer, and entrepreneur. In this podcast, I'll sit down with experts in an attempt to set the record straight on some of the most popular nutrition topics. And as always, I promise to keep it real. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am here with two special guests today on Zoom. I have Julia and Brenda from the Roaring 20s podcast. I was a guest on their podcast about a year ago at this point. Mm -hmm. So I will link that episode, which I can't believe. They have this amazing podcast that covers all aspects of life in your 20s, navigating it. They're sort of growing up with their audience. And I thought it would be really fun to have them on just to talk about some of the unique challenges and lessons they've learned from podcasting. And especially with, they've had so many cool guests on, which we're going to talk about. But really, their goal is to help people navigate this really kind of tricky time life in your 20s and to redefine what it means to be in your 20s and uh you know to really talk about real stuff that people don't always talk about and they're opening up really cool conversations so I am so happy to have you here and congratulations on the success of your show I think you had hit 50,000 downloads it's got to be more now Mm -hmm. which is so exciting congratulations but Julia and Brenda welcome to the show Hi, Alex. Thanks for having having us. Yes. So, uh, you know, I will have each of you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about what you do outside of podcasting. And then I would love to hear more about your individual nutrition, wellness journey, however you define it, what made you interested in this stuff in the first place. So if you want to start Brenda, and then we'll go to Julia. 
for sure. Um, so I'm Brenda. I'm 25. I'm obviously one of the co-hosts of Roaring 20s podcast. And um, I, I don't even know where to start. Where do I introduce myself? It's so funny because when people ask me that, my first thing is talking about the podcast. Um, so I'm like, what do I do outside of that? Um, so I have a full-time job. I manage an office and we create new products for places like Lowe's and Walmart and Home Depot. So that's part of what I do full-time. Uh, and then outside beyond podcasting, I do spend a good amount of my time on social media, um, sharing aspects of my nutrition and wellness and health and fitness journey, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. Um, and I also, I don't really define myself as this anymore, but when I have the time, I do do a little bit of songwriting and singing. And if there's time to perform, I will, <laughs> but it's not something that I've been dedicating too much of my time to recently. Um, and yeah, I've been, I connect with groups of women on, all of this aspects of wellness and finding balance in their lives. I'm not a coach or anything like that, but I'm just big on community and especially sharing my journey. So love to connect with women on that. Um, and then other than that, honestly, I'm a big people person and I really value the people in my life. So I try and spend as much intentional present time with people in my life. I love that. That must have been difficult this year. We'll kind of get into what those changes yeah. have been like. Um, so thank you for that. Julia tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Julia. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I think it's fun for everyone to know Brenda and I, we've known each other for since we were in the fifth and sixth grade. So like a lot of years. Um, and we always tell this funny story that we met in this, we, what we call an elite group of nice people. Um, this club called Peacemakers that we were in together in elementary school. So I think that's always fun for people to know about a little bit about our dynamic. Um, but me personally, I'm an actor, I'm a podcaster, um, and that's what I, I act full time. That's what I do. It's a crazy career. I wouldn't suggest it for anybody unless you really, really love it. Um, and that definitely does come with its own challenges around health and wellness and body image and all of that stuff, which I'm sure we can get into as well. And I have just always had a passion for I would say more wellness is what I kind of put it in. And um, it, that being all encompass, all encompassing, oh my God, we're, we're talking today, words. Uh, but, you know, physical wellness, mental wellness, spiritual wellness, whatever, whatever falls into that category. And the craziest thing in my life right now is that I'm making a move from New York to LA. So that has been very interesting and um, a really big shift and a big change in my life. So that's also been playing a role in kind of everything else and my relationships to people. And like Brenda said, I'm a big people person and I, I love connecting with people and we love, that's why we love podcasting, getting to meet people and learn. And I know Brenda and I have like, our minds have just expanded so much through this whole journey. And we, like to say that we do it selfishly and that we get like a cheat sheet because we get to learn from so many amazing people by doing our show. And um, I've definitely grown and changed so much in all aspects of life, as well as health and wellness. And I'm excited to get to share it with your audience too, Alex. Awesome. Um, so for both of you, when do you think was the first time you were aware of your body or your food, or you started thinking about wellness in that sense? 
Yeah, super interesting question. And it's funny to have both Julie and I answering it because we have such different like relationships to that question. So, um, but it's cool that throughout the show, through our own experiences, we've been such great support systems to one another in the ways in which we feel personally attached to whatever narratives we've had. So for me personally, um, I was always overweight growing up. I always struggled with my relationship to my body. Um, I really, I felt, you know, made fun of in elementary school for the size of my body. I remember this, I like vividly remember this kid um, in the sixth grade telling me, oh, well, you have a really pretty face, but if only your body changed, then maybe people, you know, would be attracted to you. And um, I remember just how deeply like that hit me. And it's something that I can just remember so vividly. So anyways, um, I was always super hyper aware of my body. I was always embarrassed in like gym class and all that stuff. I would try to miss out on those things. And I was always like a super social and happy person. But the one area in which I felt like I couldn't garner any control or like I wasn't overachieving or excelling was in my physical look. So um, fast forward to try and make it a long, not too long of a story. Uh, in college, I I had always kind of yo-yo dieted throughout my life. And then in college, I was like, nope, this is it. My doctor told me that my blood sugar levels were high and I had grandparents that um, had diabetes and everything. And I was like, okay, I don't want to live my life that way. So I started really well-intended when it came to um, pursuing a healthy lifestyle, if you will. Um, I ended up signing up for a weight loss program that didn't have too much guidance or accountability. It just was a very like general program, um, which was not quite helpful. And I felt I ended up feeling very like obsessed with food and feeling like a failure if I ate off program, um, all that stuff that comes along. But it was my first time really, quote unquote, successfully pursuing weight loss, meaning that I saw some sort of result. And I felt a lot of pressure from people's comments that they were making. It was my senior year. And I made this like deep promise to myself that I'd walk across the graduation stage feeling like the most confident version of me. And I really worked towards that. I missed out on some social events. I ran miles and miles a day. Um, and I really convinced myself that I was doing all those things in the name of health and my well-being until I came back from school, graduated uh, college, lived back at home. And for someone that was a super high achiever, ultimately, like didn't have my dream job lined up, didn't have all these things I expected to have right out of school. And so I asked myself, well, what's the thing that I can be the best at? And I was like, oh, maybe I can have the perfect body. So I chased after that and ended up getting stuck in some big binging and restricting cycles. Um, and it caused me so much like emotional turmoil. I didn't know where to turn. I wasn't like myself. Uh, I, you know, felt depressed and for the type of person that I am, it, it wasn't, I would say literally that line to myself, I would say, this is not who I am. This isn't like, I'm not the type of person that like needs help, quote unquote. Right. And yeah. So then I ended up, uh, working with someone, one-on-one -on -one, telling my friends that I needed help telling my family I wasn't okay and fast forward to now throughout the show and our audience has seen firsthand kind of how my relationship to my own body and uh, fitness and all the things have changed in a way where I've been able to find so much more balance and stability and peace and sustainable uh, processes that are far different from what I thought before. Wow thank you for sharing that and that. I know so many people listening to this can relate where it starts off as just well-intentioned. I want to get healthy. I want to do it because I want to live long. Although in college, I'm sure it, it's like a little bit of that. And also like, I want to fit into this dress. I want to look a certain way when I walk across the stage, but then it starts to take really a dark turn and you start to realize how much you're actually missing out on and really in the name of health, quote unquote. 
Yeah. So I love that your show really looks at health holistically and it's not just defined by one outcome, which was like you said, successful success was measured by losing weight or getting to some desired outcome, but it ignored all the other things that were starting to fall apart in your yeah. life. Yeah. Um, did you come to, did you reach out for help from to someone or did you have to be kind of encouraged to do that? Like what made it, did it feel okay? Were you exposed to that early on? Like therapy was, you know, those types of things like encouraged in your family or Yeah. I mean, it was definitely encouraged and I was definitely, I was open to it, but I think that a piece of me being, I don't know if it's stubborn or, you know, wanting to achieve it on my own. I kept convincing myself and falling into these cycles of like, no, I could do it. I can be strong enough to navigate this on my own. So I felt a lot of shame for not being able to, because I really thought I'm like, I'm the friend that everybody comes to. I help everyone out of their deep, dark hole. So like, how is it possible that I can't get myself out of it? You know? And I think also just briefly in terms of like college environments, I think it's very like, like normalized to like, quote unquote, save up your calories. If it's relatable to your audience, like save up your calories. If you are drinking at night and then you end up getting more drunk and then maybe eating more, like all these cycles that are like super normalized, whether it is in perhaps Greek life, again, not saying to all Greek life. I know I had a very different experience in that sense. Um, I had a very positive experience with sorority life, but I know that it's like, it's part of college culture, you know, and it's unfortunate because some people do fall into some deep, um, rooted patterns that they have a lot of trouble releasing after college. So to answer your question, um, my, everybody was very open to it in my life, but I think because of my like patterns prior to college and all growing up, it was like very confusing to everyone around me that this was something that I was really deeply struggling with. So I did come to the point one day when I remember so vividly, I had dropped my younger brother off at school And I had normally, like, if I did, like, compulsively overeat to any extent, through through all the emotions that I was feeling, it would be later at night. And then I remember this one morning, I dropped him off of school, came home, ate an entire box of chocolates without even, like, like, it was just so automatic and impulsive and, like, numbing that I was, like, I can't. And then I was just crying. I couldn't get myself to go to work. And for me, I'm, like, okay, this is impacting my like daily functioning and something's got to give. So I honestly just like Googled any therapist in my area and was like, I need help. (laughs) Um, And ultimately like now I see this on such a different level. I understand um, like the trajectory of everything. I understand like the mindset and the behavior and aspects of which didn't make me crazy for having this relationship to any of this stuff. And I feel like that through our podcast, through our show, we've been able to connect with so many people that have normalized in the sense of like, these are the patterns that are going to come up if this is the way that you're thinking about your behaviors, um, which made me personally feel so much less alone and made it so much easier to navigate this end goal um, or constantly evolving version of like finding peace and and balance in in my life. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, And the patterns really, you know, like if the binge or strict pattern, there's a word for it because yeah. it really is these, and a lot of these patterns take root in college, like you said, or take root in, for, I have some clients who like boarding school. So it started early for them and that's where it started to go. And before you know, it gets out of hand. So that's amazing. And thank you for sharing. And did Julia, did you, were you sort of around was in your friendship at this time when Brenda was going through this? Yeah, I I mean, I've gotten to see Brenda's journey since we were kids. Like like Brenda mentioned, the first time she really noticed her body and started thinking about it was in the sixth grade. And we've been friends since then. And I've 
got to see Brenda kind of go through this entire journey and just where she began to where she is now is like so beautiful. I'm so proud of her. Like even get a little emotional, like talking about how proud I am of her because these kinds of things aren't easy. And something that I really think is one of Brenda's strengths is being so vulnerable about it. Like she has been so vulnerable with her friends, her family, our audience in sharing this story because she knows that she's not alone because so many women struggle with this. And I think it's been such a blessing, not that I ever want many of my friends to struggle and I would never wish this on Brenda. Like, again, if I could go back and change her story, I would, but it has been a blessing that she's allowed me in on the journey because I have learned so much from her through all of this stuff that I would have never known stuff that I would have never probably sought out because my relationship to food was very different. Um, so I've gotten to learn so much and it's made me, you know, it's education I think is so important and it's opened my eyes to so many things. And through her, I've gotten to meet so many guests, um, who we've gone on our show who have expanded my horizon on it even more. And I'm just grateful that she's shared the journey with me. And I mean, she's come so far and like she said it's it's ever evolving because I think one thing we have learned you know these things don't just magically go away one day it's always a journey as are most things um but I just think that her sharing her story and her journey helps so many people because feeling not alone is like the most amazing thing in the world and it's kind of why we started our show it's just because you know, you never want to feel alone in what you're going through. Yeah. And I think even just the, like the visual of the chocolates and being in that blackout autopilot mode where you're not even really aware of what's going on. Time speeds up. I, I know because I know a lot of my clients listen to this, that there are people that experience that and blame themselves or look to try to explain it outside of like, it's a pattern and it's, it's a real issue that deserves just as much attention as any other issue that you could possibly have, if not more, because we have to eat multiple times per day and everything in our culture is around food. So, oh my God. And so Julia, you mentioned that your relationship to food in your body was different. Yeah. What was that like growing up in college? I think that I really had kind of like a very privileged relationship to food, especially since learning about Brenda's, you know, journey with it. And from hearing from a lot of other women that we've gotten to speak to, to me, like I'm, I just exist in like a very small body. I'm super petite. I'm 4'11". Um, I have a very naturally fast metabolism. Like I have always just existed in a very small body and didn't really have to do much to stay there. I do fluctuate when it comes like, because I am so small. So, you know, that's been like, that was kind of a journey for me through college. Um, But despite that, like my family was always very into food. I'm from a Jewish family. We kind of all that stuff totally, like we all revolve around food. So food to me was always just about community and connection and love. So I think I just had a very different story um, about food, whereas I know a lot of women didn't grow up with that story and that wasn't what food was about. And food was just about either, you know, nutrition or directly related to what your body looks like. So I've had what I would say is a very privileged journey 
with food. And then in college, I did struggle a little bit with like, oh, like I'm becoming a woman now. Like I'm, you have to exercise a little bit. And like, but you know, that's kind of all it was for me because of just the way that my body naturally runs. And I'm sure that that will change as I continue to like get older, I might have to pivot again, but I, I feel like I've been lucky to not have had too much of a struggle with it. I also just have a passion for like cooking and like putting things in my body that make me feel really good. Like I, if I'm not working, I'm watching food shows. Um, like I've watched every food show on every streaming platform ever. Um, I just have like a deep, deep love of food. I've worked in restaurants, um, but I love to cook and I love to cook healthy. And I, I, because I'm an actor and you know, that comes with a lot of things with body image, but I very much view my body the way that athletes view their body because I have to use my body for my work. That is my, my work. That's what I show up with. And so I think from a very young age, I knew I had to take very good care of it in order to perform just like an athlete would need to perform. So I think that that just sparked in me of like, oh, I want to like give my body good things. Like I love vegetables. I love cooking. I love green things. Like, you know, I would choose a green juice over like, like certain snacks sometimes, but just because I have like a deep love of food and um, cooking and I've just always wanted to fuel my body with good things. So I think I have a very privileged relationship to food, um, but that's been my journey with it. And I'm, I'm glad I've gotten to see different journeys along the way. And the same thing, like vice versa, I think it plays a role on me too, Alex, because I see things like one, the, I think it shows tenfold that the narratives in which we have about our bodies or food or whatever, like the way that Julia says, oh, I just like, I love food. Like I love watching like shows on cooking. That's something that I personally, based on my experience, would find like shame. And I'd be like, oh, you're addicted or like you're obsessed, you know, mm-hmm. and seeing aspects of Julia's journey as well has had such a positive impact on me and how nonchalant she is about her relationship to food and her body. I'm not saying she never, you know, struggles or never has, you know, all that stuff, but it's fascinating the level of power um, and negative power that guilt and shame can have because there's such a difference between wanting to do something. Like I see such a genuine desire for Julia to fuel her body and take care of her body, just like she says. Um, and when she makes choices, you know, when we're out with our friends and she's like, let's freaking get the French fries with all of the toppings. Like she goes for it without any hesitation, you know, there, and I think there's such a difference between wanting to and choosing to versus feeling like you have to. And I think that that's something that a lot of people Um, who do like have tricky relationships with um, food in their bodies run into is that they feel like they have to do something in order to, whether it's be accepted, be more loved, all those things. So for me, it's a privilege to watch and learn from Julia because sometimes I'll say something and then she'll be like, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh shoot, like you can just think about it that way, you know? Um, And it's really reinforced a lot of those ideals that it doesn't have to be so deep and it doesn't have to be so serious. And what you mentioned before, Alex, about like patterns in general, I think is so powerful because a lot of times, and I'm sure you run into this with your clients, people feel so broken because for anyone that feels like they have to change their bodies, Um, I think it's like this confusing thing when you're stuck in certain cycles, when it's like, I'm literally doing the opposite of what I want to do. I do not want to gain weight yet. I'm 
in like unintentionally automatically consuming significantly more calories than I know that is going to keep me here or, you know, get me below this. And I think it feels so like you feel crazy um, and you're not for anyone listening here. So it's so confusing, but I just wanted to emphasize that for anyone that is struggling right now in this moment, and not only thinks that patterns can't be broken because they can, it just takes intentional work, but also something that I've learned throughout our show is that if you do struggle, it doesn't have to be all defining. Like for a while I was like, shoot, I can never pursue fitness goals again. Shoot. I can never like take control of, or or learn more about nutrition in a way that serves me. Like, I just thought that was it. And then I had to accept where I was and where I was, was in a really uncomfortable place in my skin as well. Like it wasn't because I was giving into all these urges to overeat all the time, I wasn't in a comfortable place for my body. I was going against what my body was even telling me because I was like stuffing it to the brim, you know? So um, I just hope that for anyone that's like, this is it for me. Like, I just have to accept it that you know that with the right support and very likely that could be from Alex's support that like you can get to wherever you want to get to. You just have to be willing to try something different. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think like intention is everything because- when you are at a place where you're feeling really control around, uh, out of control around food and you're trying to hyper control it, you can't set, you, I mean, you can set a goal of, I want to lose X amount of weight, but you physically can't do it. Like there's something that stops you in your brain that you're like, I don't get it. I, I want this so badly. I keep saying it. I know it's important to me, but I just can't do it. And often, you know what? with intuitive eating is popular right now. We could talk a little bit about like the body positivity movement and start a body acceptance and what that really even means and the confusion that I think people have around it. But when you are, it sounds like like for Julia, she intuitively wants a green juice or she intuitively sometimes wants french fries and she knows how much she wants and she probably eats an amount that feels good and then maybe stops. And then the next day she'll have a salad and it's not this whole big emotional thing, but for other people, it's so all encompassing. And there's like this, like, okay, well, if I struggle with food, that means I can never focus on nutrition or numbers, or I have to snatch my scale and I have to do all this stuff. You might have to do that for a period of time. You might have to do that forever, but you also might be able to get to a place where it becomes a lot more neutral down the line after you do the work. It's going to be different for everyone, but you don't have to put yourself in any one specific box just because you've struggled with one thing. It can change. Yeah. And I think, I think too, like so much of it is what we tell ourselves. Like what is the narrative behind what we're doing? Like you said, Alex, intention, like, and I've seen, you know, Brenda's intention, uh, it is it, directly related to her her workouts of where I know that her work her intention behind her workouts used to be like, I need to work out so that I can lose weight so that I can, therefore I'll be loved, accepted, whatever it is, whatever it is, the deeper intention. Right. And then I, but I've seen her now go into the same kind of workouts, but it is so much healthier because she's doing it with the intention of, I want to get strong. I love my body instead of the, if I do this, I'll be loved. It's I'm doing this because I'm love, mm-hmm. you know? And the stories that we tell ourselves around food. And like you said, I mean, with intuitive eating, it's, I, it's so funny. Like I keep, I always change my mind about all the groups, you know, I feel like in the wellness space, there's a lot of black and white. And I, I kind of wish that there was a little more gray. Like, why do you have, 
to be so much in like one group or the other that I I don't really understand because it's like you know I get it's like oh I guess I would identify more with intuitive eating but like do I really know what that totally means and like do I really think that that's right for everybody like maybe not at every stage you know so I do think it's interesting like all the different groups that people feel like they have to ascribe to even in the wellness space where health and wellness is so personal like Mm -hmm. all three of us you know what what is going to be good you know of course in general vegetables are good for you sugar's not so processed sugar's not so good for you of course there's like those basic rules but like everybody's journey is going to be different because everybody's body is different so it's I think that, you know, if we're talking about like how we view this space, especially in this social media age, I think something that is also damaging when it comes to narrative is feeling like someone has to ascribe to a certain way of being or way of thinking when it comes to food, exercise, body image, et cetera. 100%. Yeah. I, I like agree with that on the highest level, Julie, and I talk about this all the time, but I remember when I was navigating this like messy middle ground, I was like, Julia, I feel guilty. I was like, I'm unhappy in my skin, but I feel guilty because then does that mean that if I pursue a fitness goal that I don't love my body? Does that mean that I think other people should change their body? Like I was really going through like a, a moral crisis. I was like, I contributing to this greater, like, you know, villain that is diet culture. If I choose to do this, if I share my journey, does that mean that other people are going to start to feel like I expect this from them or that smaller is better. Like it really, it, it might, it sound weird saying out loud, but it was like really a moral dilemma I was going through. And I think something that I personally struggle with when it comes to intuitive eating as a whole is I love, you know, what it stands for. I love the idea of all the things, but I personally, when I was trying to navigate it, um, by following those principles, if you will, like I was confused because I didn't have, like when I dieted, I ate frozen meals out of a freezer. Like I had no nutritional knowledge whatsoever, you know? So for me, you know, getting, I don't even know an an example, like for me getting an acai bowl, which is delicious, but that might've been like, I could have eaten that three times a day, been entirely unaware of the level of carbohydrates that were in it. Again, not bad, but I just was unaware. And I think that that's where the educational component comes into play that a lot of people who might be intuitive eaters that have a higher level of nutritional education have like an advantage, if you will, because I as a maybe uninformed person can choose one thing, assuming that like the salad from Applebee's is the healthiest possible choice I can make, have an expectation of a result, and then be deeply disappointed and blame my body or blame my approach when in reality, I just didn't have the education. So I just think that that's a like little nuance in the process in general that I think makes people confused. Because although the idea of intuitive eating in general doesn't promote weight loss, if you will, I do think some people have an expectation that like eating intuitively will result in just feeling good in their skin. And because they don't have those tools and guidance, I think they start to be like, I guess this is where I'm meant to be and then settle and are unhappy. And then perhaps even continue to fall into emotional eating patterns as a result of the frustration they feel. So it's like this really complicated middle ground. It's really complicated. And I think that what you said is something I always think about is that many intuitive eaters, I I would call myself intuitive or intentional. Like I think about a lot of different things when I make a food decision, also having struggled with my own weight, gaining, gaining weight, losing too much weight, 
being obsessed with food, not caring at all, feeling guilty about being a bad role model in this space and all of these things. But with intuitive eating, the 10th principle is gentle nutrition. It's the last principle that you get to. And for some people, they really need that to be the last because they already have too much information. Mm -hmm. And so for someone like that, like letting go of the rules is really helpful. For other people, what intuitive eating, I think, in our current culture is very, very hard to navigate because we have so many messages from media, from friends, from doctors, from our parents, like our parents, for the most part, have no idea how to eat, but they're teaching us and like their parents taught them. And no one actually really like in school, maybe we got a little bit of education in health class, but we weren't really like totally understanding then they showed us the food pyramid or something. I'm like, I don't know, you know, then you come home and your mom's like counting Weight Watchers points and then you go and your, you know, your grandma is like, oh, you look like you gain weight, but eat this. It's just so confusing. And so how do we really listen to our bodies fully? It's, it's hard. So I think like in a perfect world, all of these things look great on paper. And then when we actually put them into practice, like we have to be flexible with them or else we're just prescribing to another diet. Really? It is still a plan. Someone still sells it. Um, and who's to say that that's right for everyone either. So I think, you know, there's like a rigidity there that maybe on paper works, but doesn't really work fully in practice. And I I think a lot of people are questioning it now, which is good because I don't want that movement, so to speak, to go away. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of great things like anti-diet a lot of good things are coming from that definitely it's just nuanced and that doesn't really come across well on the internet so where where all of this is playing out right exactly and that's what I'm saying with the groups like a lot of things don't come across well on the internet and that's why be like needing to feel so black and white I think is you know damaging to someone who is struggling or just trying to find what's right for them because you can be somewhere in between or like you can ascribe to a lot of principles of one thing but be like maybe but that one part's not for me but then that doesn't mean that you can't be a part of that community I think that you know community too is like such a big part of this and social Mm -hmm. media and food and body image because everybody wants to belong right at the end of the day why are we trying to change our bodies because we want to belong we want to be loved we want to be valued right what are all those things underneath of it underneath it because of all the stuff that we've been taught for years and years unfortunately um but you know to I think for people to feel like you know I can be a part of that community even if I don't even if there's one or two things that don't work for my particular body mm-hmm. like I think that that has there's a lot of power in that because you know community breeds love and connection and at the end of the day I think that's all what we're trying to do you know so it is so nuanced it It really is and I think we get like really attached to certain things like I think going like if we go to the nutrition piece like I think Alex you posted actually maybe even yesterday maybe two days ago that using the knowledge 
as power is is everything because we can think like if you look at marketing things you posted about like peanut butter being like this um quote-unquote high source of of protein or, or it can be marketed that way when in reality there are so many other like sources of that and I think being aware of like oh marketing is a thing like let me look into this myself let me form my own opinion um or kind of those other steps before gentle nutrition of like okay bananas are not bad for you like I don't know who told you a banana was bad for you but like here's the reality between like here's this nutritional content like take it for what it is and acknowledge how you feel you know when you're consuming this like all these things I feel like being aware like what I what I love about the intuitive eating space is like it it brings so much awareness to these like marketing nuances and really allows you to really analyze what's best for you um but yeah like, like Julia said it's it's a beautiful thing to like be able to identify what really works well for you and also what she was saying about like community related things like not you know not feeling like you need to decide and then I love when people and I think that's what we learned through our show we're able to listen and just like see if something aligns with us and if it does cool we choose to add that into our mix and if it doesn't not like hating on and thinking someone is the worst person in the world <laughs> for having an opinion that might be a little bit different from what serves us you know and I think that's the difference between what I see people like you doing in this space is you don't like hate on people that have a bit of a different opinion than you you listen and you maybe spread some awareness to that but you don't like I don't know, like ridicule people. Sometimes I do. <laughs> it depends too. But for the most part. But I, you know, there's, you know, I could, what I don't, what really makes me mad is when someone gets so dogmatic that there could be no other way. So I could see yeah. that keto can work for someone. I can see that a vegan diet can work for someone. I can see that intuitive eating can work for someone. There's validity in that. But if someone comes in and says, this is the only way yes. and you have to be doing this, that's, that's you can't issue. yeah that's crazy what a blanket yeah. <laughs> yeah that's culty yeah and that's what it like it shuts down any sort of conversation so that's why I love your show so you had all kinds of guests on from nutrition just general wellness fitness um who you know did you kind of start with like one trajectory in mind and then shift towards something more really all-encompassing and holistic or how did that progression happen yeah I think I mean the show started because Brenda and I had graduated college about a year before we started the show and we were doing we had both happened to like be off on Fridays and we were we would go on these walks on Fridays and we would talk just about what's going on and Brenda and I we've known each other for so long so we have a very open and vulnerable relationship like we both very much kind of are very real and raw, as our show would say, um, to each other about what's going on. And we were like, I thought I would have this figured out, but I don't. And I thought I would have this figured out, but I don't. And I'm confused about this. And I feel this way about this. And we were like, we can't be the only ones that are feeling this way in all of these aspects of our life. Because at that time, Brenda and I, who are both, I would say, overachievers, felt that we weren't living up to what quote unquote, what we were supposed to have figured out in our 20s. You know, you hear this thing growing up that, you know, you in your 20s, you, you, you're supposed to have it all together. And where you're on this trajectory, you go to elementary school, and then you go to middle school, and then you go to high school, and then most of us go to college, or if not, then you get a job, like there's always kind of the next step. And post-college, Brenda and I thought like, okay, then we'll just do our next steps, which will be our dream jobs and our dream relationships and our dream houses. And like that just could not be more than 
the opposite of what was going on. So the intention to start the show at that point, because we were just so kind of lost and we thought we were supposed to have this all together. We don't have this all together. Like, can someone out there make us feel better about this or like guide us in the right direction? And that really was the intention of the show. Like, let's get people on who are out of their 20s or, you know, in that transitional phase to 30s. Um, And maybe some women in their 20s as well who are succeeding in one area or another. And ask them, like, what were you doing in your 20s? Did you have it all together? If not, great, we're less alone. If so, what tips and tools can you give us so that we can, you know figure it out faster. And for us, that was in all journeys of life. We wanted to, and also because Brenda and I had different things that we bring, you know, bring to the table, whereas a lot of stuff, Brenda wanted to learn about health and food and physical activity. And I wanted to learn a lot about, you know, mental practices and mental health and spiritual practices and all that stuff. So we both had our own kind of things as well as our collective things that we wanted to learn about. And so we were just like, who are the best people we can get on for all of these topics that we're dealing with in our twenties. And that's what we did. And we just like put out our feelers and luckily we've, we've gotten to connect with so many amazing people from, from people who, you know, are talking about food, fitness, money, astrology, like everything under the sun that you could want to get to figure out in your twenties. We've gotten some insight on, um, and really we just keep, we just keep evolving in that way of wanting to learn more, wanting to get, you know, I feel like we're kind of like milking everyone for all their worth in a sense of like, give us all your tips and tools. Um, because what, just as we were talking about with like health and, and food and fitness, like what works for some people is going to be different for others. And so to provide like an, a, a wide array of tips, tricks, tools, and stories to make people feel less alone and to, you know, help them along their journey that is this crazy, crazy time in your life that is your 20s. Yeah. And we definitely came to a lot of like, the the thing we keep learning over and over again is we we have big hearts too, right? Like we say it selfishly, but also like we were just like, there's no shot that we're the only ones going through this. And so if we can give people something for them to feel like they're not the only ones struggling in in this given moment or for people to know that they don't need to have it all together, it was so important to us to do so. And also it's just, it's so crazy because now we look at it and we're like, oh my goodness, like we've had experts from all walks of life coming on our show and all of them have really said such similar things and they're people with totally different experiences but something that we've really been intentional about is the sooner that we're able to get real with ourselves to get clear on what the heck we want out of our lives and be okay with that changing and the sooner that we're able to know that we don't have to have it all together now the sooner we get to enjoy our lives and I think that's the biggest thing that we saw people around us struggling with is we were so hung up on not being where we thought we would be that we weren't enjoying our lives now or trying to make it better simultaneously and to be able to garner that control today and gain all these little tips tricks and tools that we really do incorporate into our 
our lives, even oh from, God, so from like skincare. Like we'll take, <laughs> we'll take like tips from uh, like, like estheticians we got on the show and be like, okay, yep, that's what we're using. Um, or it's funny, we'll refer to people we have on the show by their first name as if they're like our friends because we've garnered such like deep connections to them. Yeah. So like to our friends, we're like, oh yeah, like Dr. Meg, like she told us this. Like, yeah, like, and then we genuinely mean it. And it's been so cool and we're so lucky. And I think something that's been, really fascinating is of course we've evolved as time has gone on but I think for both of us like our belief in the show from when we had one listener to right now until wherever the heck we're gonna go and our belief in how important having these types of conversations are and always aligning with our mission has really stayed the same like so much has has shifted but all those core things have stayed the same and I think that's what's allowed us to stay authentic to ourselves and authentic to the content that we want to put out yeah I think that was something I learned definitely in my later 20s was the concept of core values. Of course, I we have them. We know like there are these certain things that drive us, but that was an exercise that um, a, a business coach had me do and said like, I want to, what, what are the things that drive you? And in all aspects, and there were multiple, like whether it's freedom, financial freedom, physical freedom to move around wherever you want, um, whether it's emotional connection, whether it's travel, all of these things, if you get clear on those things that you just act in alignment with that, things are going to work out for the most part. And if they don't like, then they're not probably meant to in some way. Um, so I love that. Was there any, any guest or episode or thing that you went into on your show, like with like a very strong opinion or belief with that, like you kind of completely changed, it completely changed your mind or opened you up to a different way of thinking? Hmm, that's a good question. It is a good question. I'm trying to think of all the guests we've had on the show. Yeah, I know. Hmm, maybe. Well, I think that when we originally had Jordan Syed on our show, I was still in a space. Again, I love him as a person, everything he stands for, and even more so today in this moment in time. Uh, We had such a good episode with him. Oh my gosh, we freaking loved it. But I think before he's awesome. Yeah. I was, I was super open to everything he had to say, but I personally was still in a space where I was like, I'm not sure if it's okay to change your body and I'm not sure if it's okay for me. And just the way that he just approached, approaches all of like nutrition and fitness and everything so like logically and so very much, like I had never, he always says, you know, you only fail if you give up. Um, or progress is progress as long as you don't give up. And I'd never thought of it that way. For me, I was constantly stuck on failure after failure after failure. So I think Jordan Syatt was the the door for me to actually start considering that I didn't have to stay stuck. So although I admired him and respected all of his content before then, having a, a face-to-face over Zoom <laughs> conversation with him allowed me to start to consider that like I could apply this for myself and that I'm not this like 1% that's broken and can never, you know, never pursue those things again. So I definitely love that. Um, and in terms of like another episode that I really loved, I really loved our episode with uh, Camille Schreier. Uh, she was Miss America 2020. It was such a different perspective. Like I think we think about Miss America and we solely think about like a beauty pageant and all the things. And it was really cool to hear her perspective on how she brought her, like, of course she's a stunning person inside and out, huge heart. Um, and, but she like really focused on like science and, and her brain and brought like all this expertise and wisdom um, from a scientific perspective. And that's what stood out to um, the judges when it came to her talent. So I, I, well, that's one of my favorite episodes, hands down. Yeah, I think I, love that. I think I don't know if I've had any 
thing that I went in with like a strong opinion on, but I definitely have learned so much about myself through our guests. And also like, like we've had, um, talking about like overall wellness and health. Like I had no idea that I was so passionate about sexual wellness. And I through we've had Dr. Batsheva on Dr. Holly Richmond, both sexual educators, um, sex therapists. I didn't know how much I had a passion for this and, and the narrative that is told to women about sexuality and sex and, um, what we're kind of, you know, taught and how I I had no idea that I had such like a, like a passion for it, but getting to meet them and other, other people we've gone to connect with that are in that space has really kind of opened that up to me about how, how important I think that, how important I think it is that what women are taught about sex and especially sex education in school. <laughs> like we were talking about uh, food education in school. Like why is health class just like get an STD and here's the food pyramid? Like the probably the most important class that we'll ever take. We're really not being taught a lot, both when it comes to, you know, wellness in terms of food and wellness in terms of sex and sexuality. And, um, so I just didn't know that I had such a passion for that stuff and getting connected to, to those women has really opened my eyes to, to that. And I think the things kind of go hand in hand. Oh, they all do. I mean, like confidence and under, like, we don't even know anything about our bodies. I don't think we've like seen a diagram in health class. I just remember like putting a condom on a banana Right. I'm like, am I even going to be the one to do that? Like, <laughs> I don't even think I, I don't even know. Like, I don't think use these? Like, um, yeah, I'm like, is this the most valuable thing? It's so um, so that's so and true. And also like how much, like, like you said about your bodies, how many women think that they have to look a certain way in order to have a great sex mm-hmm. life? Mm-hmm. And it just could not be more than false. Like that is just so not the truth. And when you really learn about, you know, the, the way we can view our bodies in a more positive way, how we can make our bodies healthy and how we can make our sex lives healthy. It like all like, so goes hand in hand and you do not need to look a certain way to love yourself and for other people to love you. Mm. Absolutely not. No, it's, that's, I love that message. And all of this goes really hand in hand. Like it's, it's all interconnected. Um, and that's why I love your show, because you get a little bit of, of everything. Um, and so I just wanted to ask you guys before we go to speak like a little bit, because you guys are on social media and you, the podcast is a form of social media and you share it. How do you navigate using social media in a positive way? Not to say, like, not to get toxic positivity on you and say, like, there's no, you, it has to only be positive, but how do you curate like a safe environment on social media and a helpful environment? Yeah, that's a true question. Um, I think for me, I, I know a lot of people say it all the time, but I've adjusted, uh, who I follow on social media, depending on like the season of life in which I'm in. And I struggled with that at first because I'm like, Oh man, like my opinion's changing a lot. Um, but I think I used to follow a lot more, people that aligned with a certain mentality, whether I I still, I absolutely love, love, love the body positivity community um, and so many things in which it stands for, but there were some aspects of it that I think I was just misinterpreting. Um, 
And therefore I just started to follow more people that aligned with my current belief system when it came to like challenging yourself, when it came to fitness and all those things. And so I think I've curated my feed um, as my own beliefs have evolved. And I've also tried to be intentional about, you know, still keeping some people, of course, if somebody makes you feel horrible, then that's probably not the right person to keep staring at their stuff all the time. But I've also been trying to not discount that like, often who we follow on social media is kind of our version of reality. So I'm trying not to keep myself in a, you know, a place of not having any realistic aspects and still following people that challenge me to think differently. So, um, and trying to take it more so like, I feel like I used to take things on social media, very matter of fact, and attach a lot of emotion to things and feel a lot of shame and guilt around um, maybe not measuring up to what I thought someone else was doing. So I've been trying to just take things as they are and know that there is just a lot more to the story for everyone. Even people that share, you know, maybe when they're crying on their bed and having a hard day, still knowing that there's more to the story and trying not to attach too much perspective, uh, too much um, emotion on, on it either way. So I feel like that's kind of some way in which I do that. And then for myself and the ways that I share, I try and I guess it's interesting because I have a couple of pages and I feel like we're very vulnerable on our Roaring Twenties page and on my Balance with Brenda page to try and be super vulnerable about a lot of the things. But it is quote unquote easier to share when you're, you know, getting all the workouts in and doing all the things versus when you're having a hard day and, you know, your own negative thoughts are getting in your way of becoming the best version of you. So um, working through that for sure. Yeah, no. And if you think if you remember that for, for ourselves, if you're on social media, are you likely to share your worst day? Because other people probably aren't sharing their worst days either. I mean, you always see the curated like, oh, let me just take a video of myself while I'm crying, which mm-hmm. seems disingenuous. But at the same time, like we want people to be more vulnerable. But how real is it when someone has like this really serious moment and they have a phone in their face? So like you can't win, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, okay. you know, you kind of have to remember how you use social media and assume that people, as Jared Fried would say, are like 10% away from you in either direction mm-hmm. with the way they're doing it. So, yep. and what about you, Julia, any tips or things that you've found to be helpful in that? Yeah. I, I mean, we've heard it from like every one of our guests that we've talked about with social media is really like curating who you follow and unfollowing people that aren't serving you. And that's what I've done. I I feel like I unfollow people every day, or even if you're like, I don't want to unfollow them, mute them. Mm -hmm. I like meet so many people's stories and posts just because I know when I go to social media, like I just want to see my friends and what they're doing. And like, maybe some people, maybe some actors that I really aspire to, like, that's kind of what I use my social media for. I kind of hate social media Brenda runs all of our accounts because I'm like Brenda I don't know how to do any of this it's just just not really my my speed so what I and when I was following a lot of people and a lot of people you know like who I had you know known like degrees away from but didn't know personally and like it was just it wasn't that they were posting anything that I was like that was like offensive to me it was just like okay like I don't really need to see your pretty picture. Like, I don't really need to see you're doing this. It's just like, wasn't serving me. So I feel like if anyone is not serving you on any level and they don't even have to be like offending you or like, you don't like them, like whatever, you could love someone. Like you you could unfollow your best friend, like just because you don't like her, you know, or meet her. Like, I just think when I open my phone and go to social media, I just want to see like what my friends are doing and like happy things because I use that as like my downtime um so really just muting unfollowing 
and not out of any type of like malice or spite of just of like when there's a certain thing that I want to see when I go on there and like that's that's what I'm gonna see and um but it is I think it is really important to remember of like you know what people are sharing is not it's just a snippet you know it's just a snippet of what's going on like I had this thought to myself yesterday like I said I was on the phone with my boyfriend and I was feeling very anxious and I was like, I feel so guilty that I feel so anxious right now because I have like everything that I've ever wanted. It's like happening to me in my life, like moving to the city that I've always wanted to live in. Like I, I have a, a job of my dreams coming up. I have a great relationship. I was like, and I was sitting in my bed crying and like, and I was like, and I thought to myself, I was like, if anyone, everyone who's like looking at my social media probably thinks I'm like so thriving right now. And they don't know that I'm like sitting at home being super anxious. So like, you just, I think it's just important to remember that you're just seeing a piece of everybody's story. It doesn't mean it's not true. They could be on that great vacation and having the best time ever, but there's also other things going on. They could have just gotten into a fight with their boyfriend or, don't know. you like, know, ate yeah. too much and feel guilty or, you know, we're yeah. all human. We're human. Yeah. And just, it's so hard to remember that there's a human on the other side of that screen sometimes when things are so curated but like taking a step back and I really think like the muting people has been awesome because then you don't have to yeah. feel guilty you don't feel bad about only. yeah right you don't feel guilty just mute they won't know yeah, yeah. I love I that take it really really quickly one step further I think something Julie and I have been getting better about if we don't like automatically unfollow or don't automatically unmute is like asking ourselves like what what is causing this to an extent and not to go down a spiral but at least for myself there was a point where like I was unfollowing all these things that ultimately now I've refollowed all these accounts that I unfollowed originally because at the time I felt triggered by them and then I never took the time to ask myself why and in in some ways it was because I wanted what they had and I felt jealous and I didn't know how to get there and it wasn't like oh they're better than me and I think that it's important to not see people as like you know better than you I guess but um there were once I asked myself, like, why am I feeling this way? It gave me an opportunity to learn like, oh, shoot, I want that for my life and I can get there. And I think that there's a lot of power in doing that too. And like not seeing the person for, or the people for what they have or what they're achieving as like, as bad or wrong, because it might just be that you want that too. And that's okay. Um, And that's the reason why we feel all these emotions and negative feelings about it. Um, And then I think there's a way for us to figure out how to get there. Um, so yeah, that was like just something super interesting that I've been implementing more so lately is just like, oh, I'm triggered. Why? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of exploring that a little bit deeper without attaching, you know, I'm a bad person for feeling that way. Who told us the thing about jealousy, Brenda? Like when you're jealous of, we had a guest on, tell us about like when you're jealous of someone, like asking yourself, why am I jealous of them? And then, and then sometimes you're like oh because like they're awesome and like I want to be like them I want to be their friend it just shifts your perspective to be like ew I'm jealous of them I hate them like oh why am I jealous of them oh because they have this like I want that I can have that they can have that I can have that and like shifting that perspective oh who was it it's gonna pop I honestly don't know but it's really stuck with me lately you're gonna have to go listen to all you're gonna have to go back through the archive (laughs) well someone better listen back through all of their episodes and tell us (laughs) and tell us yeah a prize I don't know what it is but some sort of prize some sort of prize maybe a matcha or something yeah. um, so my last rapid fire question to you is for each of you to tell me some like an underrated wellness trend that or something that you got from your podcast whether it's skincare or food or fitness or a tip or trick mm. um, something underrated and then something that you feel is like an overrated wellness trend 
underrated and overrated. Julia, you go first. <laughs> underrated. Um, can I say something that I think people think is overrated, but I think is underrated if it's yeah. not used correctly? Um, I'm very into astrology lately, and I think astrology gets a really bad rap because people don't really know how to use it, but I think it's a great trend if if you find really like reliable people and you use it in the right way of not thinking like, oh, like my horoscope is like, it's telling my future of just like, you know, using it as like a mirror or a clock in a way. Um, it's been helpful to me, Love that. Um, but I know some people think it's like, it's not for everybody, but it's been, it's been a fun trend that I've been to like exposed to and then dug deeper into and uh, have changed my perspective on. Very cool. Yeah. This is hard for me. I think underrated. I don't even know if it's actually underrated, but I once thought it was underrated. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one-on-one coaching and training is like super, super helpful because everyone is so individualized. And like the more conversations we have with people, the more I'm like, dang, this is why we all need like a one-on-one person. Um, And also strength training. I know it's maybe for a lot of people, again, it's Um, something people talk about all the time, but I personally was always very afraid of like looking bulky or like, um, you know, all these things. So for me, it was, it's underrated because I'm just now starting to step into that space where I'm like, oh my gosh, where has this like been all my life? (laughs) Um, and it's, it can be really enjoyable. And it's just interesting that when you really gain this knowledge, you can myth bust like so many different things, especially with the type of stuff that you share. Um, so overrated, I don't know about overrated. What's overrated? Any like popular foods that or like, you know, influencer brands that you've it. tried or what? That are just not it. Yeah. Julia loves avocados. That's it though. They're it. You love an avocado. I don't know what just made me think about that. Well, that's why you're moving to LA. <laughs> there you go. She's going to have, no, like to the point, Alex. going to like eat avocados and like read tarot cards. Go to Erewhon. Alex, this already on our like last show we did with her, but Julia like will be the friend that offers avocados when you come over. I'm like, I don't want your avocado. It's the best <laughs> Guys, get on the avocado dread. A little hot sauce or something. Oh, I just olive oil and a little pink Himalayan salt. Eat it with a spoon, like out of the avocado shell. You don't dirty any dishes. I haven't, I never have a dishwasher. Um, in any of the apartments I've ever lived in, I've never had a dishwasher. So I it's use life changing as their own dishes. It's like, That's so funny. <laughs> oh my god. I have one more underrated. I know that wasn't, yeah. but I have been eating frozen strawberries. <laughs> I don't know why. And it's, it's been amazing. I love it. Um, like it my friends hurt. are like, do your teeth not hurt? I'm like, honestly, no, but I've literally been like eating them and they come to us like ice cream. Frozen um, mango is really good too. Ooh, see, like I haven't done oh, that. It's, mm-hmm. it's like why oh, we talked to Alex. Really sweet. He knows all the good, the good dessert. Yeah. Has. I really like frozen mango. Definitely. And I'm not like a big mango person, but frozen mango is good. Oh, I'm and it tastes like a sorbet sort of. but uh this is so much fun you guys obviously you're gonna link all of your info in the show notes but your podcast the roaring 20s has been i mean how many episodes do you have now 165 wow so 165 episodes if you haven't listened to their podcast i highly recommend it they have so many cool guests on um and you just keep going. So that's great. And then what are your individual accounts? Is that the best place to reach you? Or if someone wanted to connect with you, how can they get in touch? 
Yeah, for sure. So for our show, you can find us at Roaring Twenties Podcast. Um, you could DM us. That's like definitely the best place to find us. Or you can, in our profile, hit our email link and you can find us there too. We're happy to answer either. Um, my personal account that I'm most active on is at Balance with Brenda and Julia. And I'm at Julia Tolchin. Awesome. And I'll put the spelling in the show notes. Um, but thank you guys so much for being here. Julia, good luck with your move. Thank you. Can't wait to see all of the moving content and updates from you. Oh, yes. Um, and Brenda, good luck with everything that you have coming up. I'm uh, so excited. And it's been so good to connect with you guys again. So thank you for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Alex. This was so much fun. Yeah. All right, guys. We will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Alex Turoff Nutrition Podcast. Before you go, I wanted to ask for a quick favor. If you took something from today's episode, it would mean so much to me if you could subscribe to the show and leave a quick rating and review. To learn more about how you can work with me, head to my website, alexturoffnutrition.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.